listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. What's up, DCC? Good morning. How you feeling? Listen, I came all the way from cold Georgia to enjoy sunny Florida. And um, all that means is y'all got to bring me back because uh, we, no, I'm just kidding. Man, can I tell you how much we have loved being here, how we were talking in the car, and I'm saying it publicly, I haven't said it to them privately yet, but um, for Tiana and I, we uh, meet a lot of ministry couples. I don't know if there has been a group that we have clicked with better instantly than your two pastors and leaders, and uh, we just celebrate them. Can you celebrate your incredible leaders and Um, We honor you, we celebrate you, we love you guys already, and I can't wait for Indianapolis and all sorts of fun stuff that we'll end up getting to do together, and um, I I bring you greetings from Atlanta, Georgia. We um, pastor a church there called Mountain West Church, and God's been up to some great stuff there, and we're excited about what God is doing there, but we're so glad to be here. I want to show you our family. Me and my wife is here um, but here are our boys. We've got uh, Moje, uh, our oldest, all the way on the end. We've got Miles, our youngest, there uh, being held. And then Maverick, he's the one who keeps us near the cross. He's our middle child. And um, we're just, we're in the throes of it. And some of you ask, are we going for a girl? No, we got one for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are done. <laughs> Uh, you be fruitful and multiply. We have done our job. No, uh, it's so, so, so good. I, um, I was honored when uh, Pastor Rocky asked me to stay over because I, I do feel like I have something from the Lord to share with you guys this morning. And so those of you in Trenton, hey, I uh, can't wait to meet y'all and um, at the facility, love y'all, celebrate y'all. And um, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to Luke 22, Luke 22 verse 31 and 32. And um, it's a short passage of scripture, uh, but it's, uh, I think, helpful for us to understand what's going on. If I could tag what I want to talk about today, it's the keys to the days ahead. The keys to the days ahead. It's Luke 22, verse 31. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want you guys to go back with me to my fifth grade year, right before I exited out of elementary school. I want you to take a trip back in time with me, because when I was growing up, we did this thing. I don't, it may be foreign now, but we did this thing called play outside. Like, they got grass, and sometimes there's a slide, and uh, it's one of the things I really loved about growing up. And the best part is that during the summertime, From the time you woke up until the time the sun went down, you could play outside. And so I was looking with great anticipation for that day. But before they uh, let us out for the summer, what they did was brought this group called Dare in to talk to us. And Dare said, 
a few things. They, they said, you got to stay away from bad people. And they said, drugs are really bad for you. But then the final thing they said is they put on these goggles on us and they told us about the dangers of drinking and driving. Fast forward two weeks, y'all, and me and my daddy, I grew up in Connecticut, and we're on the way up the road to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and we are on our way up to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and my daddy opens up a soda of pineapple soda, and he begins to drink the soda while he's driving. Y'all, I begin to panic. I said, Daddy, you can't do that. (laughs) He is drinking and driving. And y'all, and he starts laughing at me, and now I'm really panicking. I'm like, my daddy's going to jail. I'm not going to get to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm going to be on the side of the road, and who's going to take care of me? After my daddy finished laughing, he said, son, it's not drinking soda and driving that'll get you in trouble. It's drinking alcohol and driving that'll mess you up. Here's the truth, friends. I, I... I knew the story, but I didn't understand the context. I knew the rules, but I didn't know how to apply them. I I needed some clarity. And every now and then in your life, you need some clarity. Like uh, when your parents say, don't stay out too late, I need clarity on how late is too late. Like when it's time for the group project, I need clarity on who's doing what. Or when it's time for the group uh, birthday dinner and it's time to split the check, I need clarity on how we're splitting it, especially because I only had water. And then after a few dates, <laughs> I need clarity on your intentions because I don't have time to waste. Here's what clarity does. It takes what was ambiguous and makes it understandable. It takes what was foggy and makes it crystal clear. Our biblical passage introduces us to a guy named Peter. And Peter is uh, one of my favorite characters in the scripture. But Peter is that friend that you, you're not always sure you want to claim. You know, P- Peter's that friend in one moment will do something amazing. And the next moment, you're just like, what in the world is wrong with this man? In one moment, he would be full of faith. And the next moment, he'd be full of foolishness. In the one moment, he'd be full of righteousness. In the next moment, he, he is ratchet. In, in, in variety of ways, Peter has a way of going up and down. P- Peter's that friend that you wait till after they open their mouth to claim that you know them. Some of you can't laugh because you that friend in your friend group. That's okay. That's okay. But Peter is approached by Jesus because Peter needs to understand that he needs clarity right now. Because Jesus had done everything that he needed to do. Judas has already started the betrayal process. And Jesus looks over at Peter, recognizing that everything in his life was about to be shaken. Everything in his life was about to be torn up. Everything in his life that he thought he knew was going to be sifted as wheat. And he says, Peter, I need you to understand what's about to happen. I need you to pay attention. And I don't know about you. But the last few years, everything that could be shaken has been shaken. Last few years, everything that could be messed up. And y'all, I don't even turn on the news anymore because every single day, it's like a fee. I follow this thing on Instagram called Good News Network because I just need something to say. The Bible and Good News Network helps me take some next steps that I'm not dealing with the, the filth of negativity. And here's what the Lord was trying to say to Peter. 
You need clarity for the days ahead because if you don't know what's going on, here's what the scripture says, that the son of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. If you don't recognize what's happening and what is going on in your world, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your occupation, that you will miss the opportunity that God has in this moment. And here, here, here's the key to the days ahead. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to listen close. Here's the keys to the days ahead is learning how to rest in God. Now, now when I say rest in God, it's not what you're about to do after uh, service this morning, okay? Not in the lazy boy. Here's what I'm talking about. It is totally relying, utterly dependent on God. You see... One of the things that I've noticed about this generation is that we don't so much want to depend on God. We want God to give us the ability to do it ourselves. And if you are going to navigate the days ahead well, you've got to lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your Here's four things in this text that I think will help you see how you can rest on God. Four areas that you can rest on God that will amplify your life, strengthen your life, prepare you for the days ahead. Here's the first one. You need to rest in God's authority. Here's what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, behold. And whenever you see behold in scripture, that means just look here. Pay, pay attention. Satan has demanded that he might have you to sift you as wheat. Here's what they used to do in those days is that they would take all of the harvest and the barley and they would just shake it until all of the stuff could be shaken up and jumbled out and only what was good would come out after. But all of the other product would be jumbled up and messed up. Here, here, here's what Satan is saying. I want to shake your life up. I want to mess it up. I want you to see something in this text that's important. And let, let me illustrate it for you. Um, not too long ago, me and my boys, we went to the grocery store. And um, while we're in the grocery store, this lady comes up to them and opens her purse and says, do you want some candy? And I'm like, first of all, we don't know you, ma'am. Creep alert, back up. <laughs> but here was the best part. My son didn't look at her. He looked back at his daddy my son never answered her. He looked back at his daddy. Here, here's what I'm trying to tell you, friends. Anybody who has to ask for permission is not in charge. Here, here's why you should be comfortable. Even when your life is shaken up, even when things are not going the way that you wanted it to go, is that Satan had to ask for permission. And if God allowed it, he has a purpose for it. And here, Romans 8 and 28, plaster it on your wall. All things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The good, bad, and the ugly. And instead of focusing on our issues and our problems, I wish we would focus on the authority of of our God. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He provides for your needs. He's your shepherd that you shall not want. Instead of magnifying your problem, you need to look to the hills which from whence cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Here, we need a perspective shift. I need to rest in his authority. 
in, in the book of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah is going through the most traumatic shakeup. There is a political regime change. His whole livelihood has a potential to be shook, shaken up. And here's what he says. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Here's what Isaiah was trying to tell us is that sometimes it is in those moments of challenges that you get to see the authority of God like you've never seen it before. It's in those seasons of life that seem so challenging and so difficult that you recognize that God is still in control. Hear me, friends. God is still in control of what's outside of your control. Whatever is over you is still under his authority. And whatever you're facing, my, my challenge to you is take your eyes off of your problem and focus your eyes on your king, on your Lord, on your savior. Here's what happens to Jehoshaphat. Um, he's an Old Testament king and Jehoshaphat is uh, dealing with a real bad challenge. He is outgunned and outmanned. Thank you, Hamilton. And he is dealing with a challenging situation. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 6, here's what it tells us. Jehoshaphat doesn't fret. Here's what he says. Oh God, you are the only God in heaven. Here's what he does, friends. He focuses on the fact that God alone is in control and in charge. And as long as I know who he is, I don't have to worry about the other things that are going on. As long as I focus my attention on his authority, on his power, I don't have to fret. Here's what Psalm 27 and 1 says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Here's the reason why. The psalmist understood something so clear. Is that as long as God is in control, there is nothing that could happen that he doesn't allow. And if he allowed it, he's got a purpose for it. And he's working it for my good and for his glory. You know, um... A lot of times we don't like this side of Christianity, though. You know, um, I've never heard somebody, you know, pray. I've seen people pray for God, give me more love and more patience. You know, the fruit of the spirit I never have heard anyone pray for. Long suffering. Right. But can I tell you? God uses circumstances to perfect in us what's necessary for what he wants to do in our future. Here's the second thing that I think is important for you to rest in God, not just his authority, but you need to rest in God's protection. Notice what it says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat. God is revealing to Peter the plan of the enemy. And then he uses this word, and I told uh, the folks at the marriage conference yesterday about it, and I think this is important. Whenever you see but in scripture, you need to highlight that. You need to circle it. It is one of the most important words in scripture. Here's what but is. But is a negating word. 
in Scripture. It means everything that's about to come next cancels out what was said before. I give you a prime example that I gave yesterday. If somebody says, I don't mean to be rude, but I guarantee everything they're about to say is going to be rude. You know, friends, some of you are only here because of the but gods in your life. It is when God intervenes in divine situations. It's when God intervenes into human circumstances that should have gone the wrong way, but end up working out the right way. All throughout scripture, we see examples of but God moments. Uh, Psalm 73 and 26, David says, my heart and flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my life. In Matthew 19 and 26, here's what Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jonah 2 and 6, here's what Jonah says. He says, I begin to, at the root of the mountain, I begin to sink down, but you, O Lord, brought my life up from the pit. And y'all, my favorite one is in Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Anybody grateful for the but gods in your life? I I, I, should have went under, but God, he kept me. He protected me. He covered me. And if you need any reminder of but God moments, just go to Facebook memories. (laughs) I would have been in a real bad situation, but God God delivered me. Here's what I need you to understand, friends. The storms in your life don't happen outside of the protection of God on your life. And though the enemy plots and plans, you do not have to be afraid because you can rest in the protection of God. And here's the truth. Here's what scripture tells us is that whatever is committed to Jesus, he is able to keep until the day of salvation. He will never lose that which is committed to his hands. He will never lose that which is submitted to him. Now, I don't know the storm that you're facing right now. I don't know the challenge that you're going through. But here's what I know. That God is right there with you. Here's what David said. He understood this all too well. In Psalm 23, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. You know, sometimes we pray for God to take us out from the very thing we need for the next faith development in our life. God, I don't want this. Remove this. Change this. Can I tell you? You wouldn't know God as a healer if you were never sick. You wouldn't know God as a provider if you were never in need. You wouldn't know God was a way maker if you didn't need a way made. You wouldn't know God as a promise keeper if he never made you a promise. It is in those challenges that you get to see God like you've never seen him before. And even in the most dark times, I, I want to challenge you to depend on him. I, I I lived through this uh, myself. I remember in college when I was just like on a high, everything was going well. And um, then I lost a piece of my scholarship that was helping me to afford the dorms 
And so now I'm mad at the Lord because you embarrassed me. I had to move out of the dorm. I didn't focus on the fact that he provided another place for me to live. You know, it was, it didn't happen the way I wanted it. So now I'm upset with God. And then it got really bad because when I moved to this new place, my stuff got stolen out of the car the day I moved in. And so I said, God, tonight me and you going to have it out. And for some reason at 19, I figured the Lord was hanging out at the moon. So I said, tonight, me and you outside, we're going to have a conversation. And so I'm outside, y'all, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm yelling. I'm, you said that you would take care of me, but I'm, I'm just screaming at him. All this while, there's this big black dog that I can't see because I'm so focused at yelling who is approaching me. And so the big black dog comes so close that I finally notice him. And the only thing I know to do is say, Jesus, I scared him and myself. Now, God's not petty. But if I was God, the only thing I would say is, and you, after all that, you still call my name? Here's what I want you to know, friends. Wherever you find yourself, never forget that you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. There is protection in his name. There is safety in his name. And wherever you find yourself, you are not outside of the hand of God, the protection of God, that even if you make your bed in hell, he is there ready to reach for you and snatch you out of that place. Here's what he was trying to help Peter understand, friends that even in the shaking I'm there even in the winds blowing I'm there even in the most difficult seasons I am there here's what he said to the disciples at the end lo I am with you always even until the end of the age and I I don't know what you're you're walking through right now but I do know that you are not alone I, I, I don't know what you walked in and you're faced with now, but I do know you are not alone and his protection goes with you. And his protection doesn't mean that you won't have difficulty. It just means that the difficulty will not destroy you. It doesn't mean that you won't go through the fire. It just means that the fire will not burn you. It doesn't mean that you won't have challenges and I'm so sad that we've painted a false Christianity for some. Friends, I know sometimes people told you, when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. You know the way Jesus described it? Matthew 16. He said, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. He didn't promise you an easy life. He promised you a purpose-filled life. He promised to fulfill his plans for your life and to be with you always. And here's what he's trying to help Peter understand is that his protection goes before him. Here's the third thing that I want you to see, friends, is not only do we need to rest in God's authority and rest in God's uh, protection but you need to rest in God's grace. I, I can't tell you how many people have quit on themselves when God has never quit on you. We, 
we have a tendency to cross people out. And sometimes, if we're honest, we even disqualify ourselves. Can, can I tell you, friends, that the same God who knows your history is writing the rest of your story? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete that work. He's not going to give up on you. Don't give up on yourself. And I, and I know there are some challenging things that come and we miss the mark. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm, I'm at Destiny Community Church. Y'all might not miss the mark. Let me talk about Atlanta. We miss the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. This is what happens to Peter. Peter has, right after this moment, the three most challenging tests in his life. Matthew chapter 26, starting at the 37th verse, Jesus tests Peter's commitment. Peter says, I'll go with you always, Jesus. And Jesus said, will you just pray with me for an hour? Peter said, yep, 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 yep. Jesus comes back and Peter's, he's snoring. He failed his commitment test. Then later on in Luke chapter 22, down in the 50th verse, Peter is walking, kind of sneaking behind to see what happens with Jesus after he's betrayed in the garden by Judas. And somebody says, uh, aren't you one of the ones who was with Jesus? And he says, no, I've never seen this man in my life. Somebody else comes and says, no, I, I swear, you're, you're one of the ones who were with Jesus. He says, I don't know him. And finally, a little girl says, you're one of his disciples. And he begins to cuss and swear that he is not one of him. He fails his integrity test. Then the final test, it's in John chapter 1 and verse 3. It's my, uh, why I believe um, southern people are in the Bible. Um, Peter looks at his brothers and says, I a gone fishing. Read it in the King James Version. I go a fishing. If that's not a southern saying, I don't know what is. Those, those small words, though, meant a lot more. Here's what Peter was saying. I'm going back to what I did before I met Jesus. And there's some of you, you've allowed the mistakes of your past to disqualify you from what God is trying to do in your future. Here, here, here's what the Lord wants you to hear today. There is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. He will take your mess and make it to, into a message. He, he doesn't waste any problem and he doesn't waste any pain. And I want you to notice this. The same God who anticipated Peter's failure anticipated his return. Here's what he says. It's not if you return. He says, and when you return. 
Here's what he said. Peter, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to fumble the ball. I know it's not going to work out at first, but I know you're not going to get stuck there. And here's what condemnation wants you to do. Get stuck in a moment of your past. Get stuck in a moment of what you've done. And here's what conviction says. I want you to rise up and move forward because I never called you to get stuck. I called you to accomplish what I have promised you to do. And you've got this treasure in broken vessels that the power, the excellency of the power may not be of you, but be of God. Here's what Paul understood more than anybody else is that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Yeah, I failed. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not qualified by man's standard, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call with his power and his anointing, and there is enough grace for you. There is grace for you today. Don't give up on yourself. Don't don't give up on the plan of God for your life. You know, um, I had a radio show when I um, served at a church in Augusta, and um, there's this guy I met while I was there named Patrick, and Patrick was um, a lieutenant in um, the state police department and one of the finest men, great, great guy, incredible man, and Patrick dealt with um, seeing some really bad stuff. You know, we got to pray for our first responders because they see the worst of humanity. And so he saw some really difficult stuff and he turned to alcohol and he began to drink and drink and alcohol took over his life. He lost his job. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He, he lost his house and he tried to take his life and he failed. And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to rehab one last time. And he goes to rehab and he shows up there And he meets this guy who was about to graduate out of the program named Leroy. Leroy says to Patrick, he said, Patrick, do you believe in God? Patrick said, I don't don't believe in all that stuff. And Leroy said, Patrick, the only way you're going to make it is if you can pray. And Patrick said, Leroy, I don't believe in that stuff. Leroy said, Patrick, you've tried everything. Why don't, and none of it's worked. Why don't you try this? Leroy said to him, you know what, Patrick, if you're uncomfortable with believing in God and praying to God, here's what I want you to do. Why don't you pray to my God? In the morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up and pray. Leroy's God, would you help keep me sober today? And then before you go to sleep, I want you to pray, Leroy's God, thank you for keeping me sober. Fast forward three years, y'all. And Patrick is in the city and he sees Leroy across the road and he runs up to him and says, Leroy, you would not believe it. My life has changed. I got my career back. I got my wife back. I've been sober. I've got my children back. My life has been transformed. And they begin to celebrate and they had a good time. And right before he leaves, Patrick looked over his shoulder and said, oh, by the way, Leroy, I don't pray to Leroy's God anymore because Leroy's God has become my God and he has changed my life life. Don't give up on yourself. God has grace for you. There is enough grace for you. Peter failed in ways that you couldn't imagine. And God said, I can use you. You are no different than Peter. Your past is not a disqualifier. It's an opportunity for the glory of God to be seen. 
and he wants to use you. Here's the fourth and final thing I want you to see in this, friends. Not, not just rest in God's grace and rest in God's protection and his authority, but you got to remember, you get to rest in God's plan. This is not an accident. He knows what he is doing. God, God is acutely aware of what he is designing for your life. And here's what he, he says to Peter. And when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Here's what he was saying to Peter. It's after your failure, there is still life after that. And I've got a plan for your life. I, I've got a strategy for your life. And here in Genesis 50 and 20, this is one of the most beautiful pictures. Here, here's what Joseph says. Joseph is used and abused, mistreated, and his brothers are a little nervous that now he's in a place of power that he is going to do to them what he got done to him. And here's what he says. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good so that many lives would be saved. You see, the enemy thought by shaking Peter's life up, he was going to destroy him. But what came to shake his faith cemented his faith. He, he thought this shaking was going to utterly destroy Peter's integrity. But what came to shake his integrity began to build his integrity. I don't know where you are, but I do know this. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. And even in the middle of the fight, even in the middle of the tension and the difficulty, some of you are right in the middle of the battle and you can't see over the horizon. I just need you to rest on this verse. It's Psalm 138 and 8. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Preacher, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't need to. The Lord will work out his plans for your life. I'm in a financial emergency. Guess what? The Lord will work out his plan for my life. I just went to the doctor this week and I don't like the prognosis. The Lord will work out his plans for your life. Here's the reason. For his faithful love endures forever. Can, can I tell you this last story that my daddy told me and then we, we, we're going to pray. My daddy told me this story about this son and his uh, this dad and his son and the father was in the house and just walking around and he heard his son just say, you gonna get it. You gonna get it. You gonna get it. And so he opened the door and says, uh, son, are you okay? And he said, yeah, daddy, I'm fine. You see, I, I was reading this book and there was a good cowboy and a bad cowboy. And the bad cowboy was beating up the good cowboy. And I got a little nervous. And so I flipped to the back of the book and realized that in the end, the good cowboy wins. So I went back to where I was. And every time it looked like the good cowboy was getting beat up, I just said to the bad cowboy, you gonna get it. And here's the point, friends. In the end, you win. And while you're in the middle of the battle, some of you just need to look at the enemy and say, you're going to get it. At some way, God is going to turn this around for my good and for his glory. Can I tell you what happens in Peter's life? About 50 days from this moment, this same Peter who was lying, cussing, and walked away, stood up before people and said, we are not drunk. 
but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Here's what happened to Peter. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And even in the shaking, God's purpose could not be destroyed. Here's my encouragement to you this morning. Rest in God. Rest in his authority. It's not in your control. It's in his control. Rest in his protection while you're walking. It, it, you, you may get bruised. There may be weapons formed against you, but it will not prosper. Friends, rest in his grace. Don't write yourself out of the story God is writing. And ultimately, rest in God's plan. He's got a good plan for your life. He wants you to not only see his activity in your world, but he's got an expected end for you. Would you stand with me in this moment? You know, God's ultimate plan is for us to choose Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.